0: welcome back to the freewheeling podcast it is again just three of us um but we've swapped out gracie for amy amy lauren jones hello i'm no replacement for gracie that's not fair
1: (laughs) pressure's on (laughs) (laughs) and tilda is here and i'm no replacement for lauren so it's really just the interlopers this week isn't it
0: (laughs) hmm The newbies. I don't think that we can say that anymore because Amy's been on the podcast for over a year now. And, uh, and Tilda, you bring quite a lot to the table. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Namely, <laughs> today's get-up. I wore this shirt just for Tilda today. I thought it was that in one. celebration. The same... I was like, oh, I recognize that, but not on you. Yeah, she wore it, and I saw it, and I was influenced, and I was like, I need it. Wow, and Tilda the IRL influencer. <laughs> <laughs> a
2: micro-influencer.
0: Get to both go see Harry Styles next summer,
2: which is very
1: exciting. I'm very excited
2: for you both. I'm actually more excited about Wet Legs supporting.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was... ah, I'm undecided about Maisie Peters. Shocking. I I like some of her songs, but some of them I'm like, I think I'm too old to listen to this. Um, But I think I would have liked to see her live. Mm. It's very young people Mm. music. Even I feel that it's, as a young person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Representing the youth. <laughs> <laughs> the last one that she came out with um, about her friend's brother. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely too old to listen to this song. Can't relate. I don't even know well, what you're on about. I anyway, I, it would be really nice. Like, when it comes to the winter and we start to try to cover Cross, what if we could just do episodes about, like, you guys could do an episode about Love Island <laughs> and... <laughs> There is a winter one, to be fair. <gasps> winter Love Island? Yeah, they do it in South Africa. Oh, I was going to say, what is it like? Love Ski Mountain? I would like that, to be fair. Yeah, I'm sort of like
2: chalet-based edition. I'm surprised they haven't done that. that sounds
0: romantic. Yeah. Mm. It's just us. All right, should we, should we talk about <laughs> uh, No, I'm definitely too old for, for that. The Gallivanting. For Love Island. Oh. Yeah, for Gallivanting. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, before we talk about the c ladies tour that just wrapped up yesterday, when you're listening to the podcast, this episode is brought to you by Zwift. Zwift is introducing a new expansion to their Mercury Islands, which is my favorite world to ride in. It's just beautiful. I mean, there's like rainforests and there's this like downtown area with a bunch of glowy lights and it's super cool to ride through. So they're adding an expansion to this world. Hopefully it means that it'll be on their rotating worlds a little bit more because if you've ever ridden Swift, then you'll know that the worlds rotate. So you don't always have, there's always Watopia, but they swap out Richmond and London and uh, New York and the McCurry Island. So you kind of have to hop on and see, like what you got to work with at the time. All of the islands are awesome. There's just like unlimited amounts of riding that you can do on Zwift. I'm a big fan. I feel like if you listen to the podcast, you probably know that, know that by now. I get like a solid 40 minutes in a day. It's really nice. Anyway, this episode was brought to you by Zwift. Thank you so much for Zwift for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, CMAC Ladies Tour. The CMAC Ladies Tour happened over the week and just wrapped up on Sunday. There was some spotty live coverage of it, so I think that to cover it, we're going to just break it apart. We'll go with the first two stages first. Tilda, you want to give us a little rundown of what happened in the first two stages?
1: Sure. So, as you say, on the first day, because the coverage wasn't great, both the TV and the kind of text coverage that we rely on. It's a little bit unclear what really happened in the first half of the stage. Um, there was no early breakaway because DSM were pretty much controlling from the get-go pretty early for them. Um, and then around 25k in, the crosswinds hit and we had a 30-rider group up the road. It looked for a little while that they might be going away, but then actually it all came back together. Around 40k in, there was a crash again Sketchy on the details on this one, but we do know that it took out Corinne Lebecki, who ended up with a broken collarbone and broken rib and is out for the rest of the season. There was a little bit of calming after that crash, but then after around 80k, the group split, possibly down to another crash. But they said Weebus was in the crash, but then she was in the front group. So I don't really know why this split happened, but they ended up with 21 riders up the road, which included. Crucially, three DSM riders and four track riders. Um, because quite a few teams are quite well re- represented in that group, they're working really well together. Only really FTJ were trying to chase it back. And so, yeah, they were kind of away and gone for the rest of the stage, really. Um, in the finale, Liv were attacking because, yeah, with Weebus in the group, you had to try something else to beat her. And Chloe Hosking ended up with a puncture, so kind of even more taking out the uh competitors for Weebus um Chantal Vandenbroek-Black tried a really late move in the last like 2k but it basically came down to a reduced sprint and Weebus had Charlotte Akul her traditional last lead out woman there and she just let it out and Weebus pretty easily uh won uh Swinkles came second and because Hosking wasn't there Cordon Rigaud managed to sprint for third Um, and the 19 remaining leaders finished 49 seconds in front of the peloton. So the GC was kind of already happening on that day. Stage two, you want to just go straight into stage two too?
0: I think so. I mean, we could talk a little bit uh, for stage one. I think the, the, one of the main takeaways is the coverage. And I just like hate having to go back to that whenever this happens, but it's like a huge bummer. Um, that we didn't get to see any of that because it sounds like it was a super exciting stage but like all we see is that we just won the sprint and that's pretty much exactly what we thought was going to happen so when you look at the results you're like oh it's weird that there was this big time gap in in between this gr- these groups but we just won the sprint we knew that was going to happen already um but it's just such a bummer that yeah i mean the first stage in particular and also the time trial but like the whole race had pretty abysmal coverage. Um, once you, once they just pulled it from GCN altogether and we're like, all right, we're just going to have it on this random website. Um, then it was a lot better, but uh, like no English commentary, which is whatever you can just watch bike racing on mute anyway. Um, (laughs) it's not weird at all, but but yeah, I feel like, I feel like the first <laughs> the first stage was definitely like just, it kind of set the tone for the race, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I I think, it did.
2: There you go. No, I was just going to say the fact they pulled it from GCN, though, like it's, fa- it's good that you could still watch it on whatever it was called, L1, the Dutch website. <laughs> but then that just makes it so that people fa- can't find it as easily and are less likely to watch it.
1: Yeah, and I think, to be honest, the fact that we could watch it on there, I think it was just because that it's a local Limburg uh, news channel, and I think they just forgot to geo block it. Basically, it shouldn't have been able to be watched. So if they hadn't f- just forgotten to put the geo blocking on, we wouldn't have been able to watch it at all. And then that is not only frustrating for us as like viewers, but also makes our job pretty hard if you can't watch a women's world tour race. And it, it is good that this is relatively rare. So every time it happens, we're like reminded of how it's still annoying but yeah it was it was a bit of a tough week and I hope next week is better
0: like back to the back to the dark ages of surfing Twitter to try to figure out what the hell happened in the race
2: well it isn't good enough is it for a women's world tour race still like it was on the organizers to make sure that the feed was reliable
1: yeah and, and also if if you can't provide the feed some race organizers are definitely better than others at providing the kind of text coverage and you know, there was a lot of stuff put out, but it w- it was hard to follow at some points, and the there was a lot of discrepancy between the actual route and what was in the technical guide, so it was a bit confusing. Like the kilometres to go, like just had no idea when the sprints were. So it was, yeah, back to kind of a few years ago. we trying to scramble for information instead of just watching a nice, lovely feed and knowing what's going on. Yeah. All right, stage two, what happened? Stage two, a pretty straightforward day on stage two. Um, the break went really early in like the first 10K and that was Georgia Baker, Lekin, Noyan, and senna Um, Clara Lundmark of one of the local teams was ch- trying to chase that down. I was actually really active all week, so I wanted to mention her, but she ultimately couldn't on that day. But that wasn't the last that we saw of her. Um, and then, yeah, they kind of just let that group go. And it was pretty relaxed for most of the day. Um, Carnarvon was dropped first just from being tired, I think. She's a younger rider on the Next G team. Um, and then in the last 30k, Baker and Noyan started attacking each other. And Baker got away from the Dutch rider. Um, a crash in the peloton in the last 30k saw Amelia Farlin and Susanna Anderson on the ground. Uh, which resulted in a broken wrist for Farlin and I think a con- con- concussion for Anderson she was being checked over and she didn't finish the stage that crash slowed down the peloton a little bit so they had been within about 20 seconds of Baker but that grew out to a minute but then once the peloton was all back together the chase was really back on and she was caught within 15k to go a lot of teams were getting pretty well organised in the sprint Trek and Yambo were really lining up um, trying to make things harder for DSM I guess but ultimately, yeah, Webus lost cool in the finale a little bit and was kind of alone in the last kilometer. But she just surfed the right wheels and took the win fairly easily anyway, um, in front of Laura Tomasi and Lonika Unikin.
0: And that's kind of an interesting note on Webus not having her usual lead out because obviously we've talked to in the past about what the move to ST Works is going to mean for Webus and her sprint domination. And Lauren pointed out that she's not going to have a, total, a team completely dedicated to her anymore, but clearly without Charlotte O'Cool, cool, she still managed to win the stage. And I think it's, this is a different race because it's the end of the season, which we can talk a little bit about how the, the rosters for this race were maybe not top tier. Um, but still she's, she's just unbeatable when it comes to sprints. So for her to win without her lead out. I think bodes well for her move next year. She also invented the word
2: cornery in her post-race interview on stage one. She's like, those last few kilometers were not so cornery or something like this. And I was like, fair, that's weird. But no, I mean, yeah, I was watching the finish of stage two and I was like, well, okay. Looks like she's going to be all right next year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because, you know, they do have a really, really good leader, um, DSM. But also... I think I wrote in my report that this was the second occasion where this happened this year. It happened on the Champs-Élysées where Charlotte was behind her and she just had Pfeiffer-Georgie in front of her. And the way she described it uh, on Wednesday sounded pretty similar to that. But it really didn't cause a problem to her. And I think the thing is is that maybe other teams can beat her when she loses the lead-out and they have a lead-out. But by the time that she was losing Charlotte and Georgie pulled her off, Everyone else was also just a rider by themselves, so it was kind of just the sprinters against each other with no extra help. And yeah, whether you have a lead-out rider or not, Weavis is still going to be the fastest rider. And you know, it's also no shade to riders like Tomasi and Unikin, but they're not like the top top level of sprinter that we talk about. So yeah, even even if she'd been alone for longer, I still imagine she could have could have won that because yeah. She knows how to position herself, knows when to go. She's not scared of leaving it late. So yeah, it's I don't think it's game over for her in the sprints next year without such a dialed leader. Unikin is such an interesting rider because she's
0: super young. She's only 22 and she's like had some pretty impressive wins in the past, but not really in the world tour. Like DSM, DSM, SC works have signed her through 2024, but she doesn't actually do a ton of world tour races with them. She does like your standard Belgian Dutch non huge races. She's not, you know, racing Flanders. She did do Paris Bay, but, um, and like ride London, but I wouldn't really classify ride London as like one of the top races on the women's world tour calendar, um, especially cause they didn't have any live coverage and that just automatically kind of knocks them down in my, uh, in my opinion, but she's, she's shown a lot of promise in the past. And I f- am curious what SD works is going to do with her on the roster for the next two years, especially given their, their new signings, which we'll get into. Later, probably.
1: Yeah, I kind of thought she might be like a Charlotte a Cool type rider, like really developing and kind of improving her sprint this year. But actually, compared to last year, she's maybe not had such a good year. And part of that is because, you know, when they said she was starting Ride London, I thought, oh, that would be a good chance for her. And then they kind of said at the last minute that Capecchi was going as well. And then suddenly, okay, Unikin has lost her chance there. And I just feel like, yeah, she's not really been. She's not had the chances and the confidence and experience plays so much when it comes to sprints and she's not necessarily getting that um yeah it's almost a shame that she's signed with them for so long because i do think that maybe she might get better chances elsewhere especially now with Webers joining the team i just don't know where she fits in the hierarchy of Capecki and Webers
0: maybe she'll just become the the Wiebes's new Charlotte cool and be her lead out i can see that because
2: i i also would say that Weavers and Kapeki will have distinct squads around them and different calendars. Like they're not really going for the same stuff as well. So, yeah, I think that's right. They'll probably put Unikin into that that position as like her right hand woman.
0: It seems like uh, uh, ST works with the riders that they've signed might be one of the first women's teams to be able to truly field a two. Two strong squads at the same time, um, which they they've not had a great season this year. They've had a couple standout performances, obviously, but compared to seasons of the past, this has been like a very transition year for them, in my opinion. And so to see the riders that they've picked up and especially Weebus, I yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the the way the team shapes out next year and if they are able to really put together two teams at once, because that's something that women's teams will need to do if the calendar continues to expand the way that it is.
2: I'd say Trek could probably also do that because they seem to have signed quite a lot of climbers over, uh, for next season. So they, they've kind of now got like a bit of a classic sprinty squad and then, a GC climate squad too. Maybe. Definitely.
0: And I, I, I also feel like it's really important for both teams. Like you need to have more than one experienced um, team captain. And I think if Trek has Lizzie back next year, then they have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true as well. Or when Trek has Lizzie back, <laughs> I should say, but stage three, we, we got to the, the script got flipped a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, indeed. So it was again, another very flat day. Maybe that's what you expect in the Netherlands. Um, yeah, really, really, really not a lot happened that day. There was a breakaway in the middle of the stage. They were only gone for about 20 kilometers. Um, lots of riders were trying to attack both in the start of the stage and more towards the finale, but it was so flat that there were just, it was really hard to get away, especially with, with DSM again being organized. Um, so they got to like the last 3k in. It was clear that it was just going to be a sprint. Um, DSM again looked really organised uh, into the last corner. webus hit the front um, and started her lead out for Charlotte Cool. She basically just rode off the front with Cool on her wheel um, away from everyone else in full fight sprint, which was uh, not surprising, I guess. Um, and then yes, yeah, she just let Cool come round her to take the stage, and webus finished second, and Georgia Baker finished third, it was I saw a few people saying, why why would you like try and let this was because it came out during the stage, there was a little rumor that this is what DSM might be doing. And I saw a little bit of commentary about like why would you risk it on a rider who could win when you know you've got Viebus who would definitely win? um but they kind of proved that wrong pretty quickly because it wasn't even particularly hard for. um and when when you've got Vibus leading you out, if you're a half decent sprinter you can follow the wheel. You're gonna to get to the right place at the right time, and yeah, she took the stage. I think, yeah, that must be Charlotte Cull's second win of the season. Should have checked this information. First world tour win, yeah. So
0: she, I mean, it's with it's well within T, uh, DSM's um they they would want to give charlotte cool that opportunity while Weebus is still on the team versus when Weebus is gone it's it's better for them to be like okay we're handing over leadership to cool th- today because we're not going to have Weebus and cool needs to learn how to win they need cuz yeah we'll talk about uh dsm's team and how it's kind of shaping up for next year when we, once we get into transfers but with such a young team they they need somebody who has a little bit of experience and that one win can do wonders to cool's confidence and like how she reads a race in the future
1: yeah and they they tried a similar thing uh, on the last stage of the women's tour tried to give cool the chance but that was maybe not the day to do it when the race was being decided on bonus points at the finish um ended in a bit of beef didn't it as well it ended with Um, yeah quite a bit of beef (laughs) so it was nice that they could try it in possibly a slightly safer environment this race and yeah i think it's it's cool will do well to know that the team have faith in her even when Vivus is there and it's not just okay you've got to wait till she's gone um they do want to support her and i also said this to amy it's it's although Weebus is racking up all these wins and is probably going to break all sorts of records for numbers of wins by a certain age and in a certain year, she also just doesn't mind like essentially giving one away, which is no shade to Charles goal, but Weebus could have obviously won that if she wanted to. So it's nice that she's not. she doesn't want to just win everything and these things like rewarding your teammates do matter to her as well.
0: She's still kind of played it as safe as she could. But if anyone had come up, she I think still would have been able to sprint against them. Like you could tell she was riding next to Cool and kind of looking behind and monitoring to make sure like if anything did go wrong, she was still right there. She's good enough. She's got she she had her arms in the air before (laughs) cool. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't time it well. The picture was like there was one with weavis Posting up and then cool was still kind of sprinting, and then they swapped. <laughs> it's like, no, you guys, it's kidding. It's not a it's big used deal used to her
2: being the one winning. We're like, oh yeah, that looks right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, there's a rider in front of her. That's confusing. <laughs> uh And then stage four is when it started to kind of not end in bunch sprints anymore. We had a really exciting solo
1: move by Rihanna Marcus take stage four. Uh, yeah, so we finally headed to some actual climbs on stage four uh, towards Limburg, which is best known for the Amstel Gold Race. Um, at the start of the race, Kirsty van Haften went away solo and picked up loads of QOM points, which she then uh, ended up winning today. Uh, she was joined by Anna Henderson in the middle of the stage and then Julie van der Velde into the final lap. Every race was on laps, by the way, if you missed that. Oh my God, so many laps. Um, it was like a full <laughs> week of just circuits, circuits after circuits. Yeah, yeah it was fun. But you loved a circuit, Abby. I love a circuit. <laughs> no, they were good. Um, yeah, so yeah, she joined on the last lap. The peloton was kind of shrinking behind as they went over these climbs over and over again. Uh, Van Haften was the first to be dropped after being alone. There was a little chase behind. So we're getting into the last 30k now, I think. There's a little chase behind. Radevold, of old, Kessler, and Dronova, but they couldn't bridge across. In the last kilometre, Amanda Spratt and Soraya Paladin, um, not, not the last kilometre, the last 10 kilometres, Spratt and Paladin uh, attacked up a climb, which saw the leaders caught. Um, but the run in after the climbs on the circuit, the, the run in was fairly flat. Um, so the, the group had reduced quite a lot, um, but it was pretty hard to attack on the flat. Um, and there were no, so the only DSM rider in this group that went to the finish was Vibus. So it was hard to chase anything down. So once Marcus managed to be the one that snapped the elastic, she just attacked from the back and sort of took them all from surprise. Um, she went at the right moment and soloed all the way to the finish. I think it was about six kilometers in the end. With no team DSM to chase it down, the, the group kind of had to roll in for, for second place. Bebus quite easily sprinted for second, which was close enough to hold on to her lead. Um, and Swinkles was third. Marcus won by less than a minute. I guess I think four, I want to say fourteen seconds, but I could be totally wrong. Fourteen seconds, yeah. Um. Uh. So, but she had lost time on stage one. She wasn't in that group that contested the finish. She was already forty nine seconds on down on that day. So no leader's jersey for her. And yeah, after the hardest stage in the race, Vibas still had the leader's jersey after pretty much she was isolated, yes, but she didn't seem to be struggling herself over the course. I was I was pretty bummed to see um
0: Marcus lose time on the first day because the way that she's riding right now, I kind of had her picked for potentially landing on the podium, maybe even winning the whole race if she could. And the stage four win, I was like, oh my gosh, they've, they've really mucked this one up. Like they let her go off the front and there's a time trial tomorrow. She just finished third in the European championship behind Marlon Rusa and Ellen Van Dyke. So pretty incredible performance there. And she is an incredible time trialist. I had her picked to win stage five and um, the, yeah, she, she jumped up to like 13th overall, but because of that time, that time that she lost on stage one, she didn't really factor in the GC, which was kind of a bummer.
1: Yeah, it was. And because we don't really know how it happened on stage one, I don't really know why she lost time because Yumbo had three riders in the front. They had Anna Henderson, Caroline Swinkles and Romy Casper, I think, on that stage. So it's not like they weren't in position. And it just seemed, yeah, again, I don't know what happened because if it was a crash and Marcus was caught behind it, then what can you do? But yeah, it was it was a big shame. And and as soon as that happened on stage one, it was like, oh yeah, she could have been could have been one for the win. But it seemed like with a 50 second gap, the GC was probably going to come from those 20 riders that took time on stage one. Um which is a bit of a shame, but she did get her stage win, but I'm sure she would have liked for it to be, yeah, contending in the overall a bit more.
0: I I wrote a piece on cycling tips about how I think that this is kind of like a breakthrough year for Rihanna Marcus. She's been a support rider for Voss for a while at this point, but she's still taken really great wins whenever Voss isn't there, like the tour of Norway last year and now here. And I think that she's like the more that she does this and even with just this performance and other performances she's had this year, I just feel like Yambo Visma can kind of lean on her a little bit more for, for wins, because a lot of the times, I mean, they just all ride for Voss. And then when they get to a race and Voss isn't there, Yambo Visma is kind of like throwing everything they can at the race, but it never really ends well for them. And I think that they can really kind of look to Rihanna Marcus as a rider to to put put their might behind that was a weird way to say it. <laughs> it makes sense. It's fine in the future. <laughs> I hope. She seems super cool to me. I don't know. I get good yeah. vibes. She does have Yeah, good she's vibes. definitely
2: proved herself this season. She kind of like showed it a bit last year when she won that stage in Norway. Was Norway, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think it's all it's about the confidence, right? It's like confidence begets more confidence than wins beget more wins. Does that make sense? Did I even use that word,
1: right? Yes. It, it, was, it was a good week for Yambo Visma, really. I, I think, because this is a Mariana Vos type race. She's won it overall like four times. And people might have thought that... They didn't have great options going into it without her, but they had like three riders that could have won the GC because they had Caroline Swinkles, who was doing really well, very consistent a week, and Anna Henderson as well. She didn't have the best TT, but she's the kind of rider that she was in every kind of important move. Um, so yeah, you I didn't kind of even notice that Voss the wasn't there. They weren't, they didn't look weak or directionless at all because they had really good options, and I think um. Yeah, Rihanna Marcus is really building into that kind of all-rounder type rider who has the good good time trial, but also not afraid to attack at the right moment. And especially when it comes to six-day races like this, of which we have more and more, that is really the kind of rider you need to be. Yeah. And then, yeah, she finished second
0: in the time trial the next day, which was won by Audrey Cordon-Racol.
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a weird time trial in some ways because there were so few obvious time trialists um the main one you would have thought of was lisa klein she went really early and you would have expected her to set a good time but she was beaten pretty soon after that and ended up finishing 19th Um it was an 18 kilometer course so there were time gaps <laughs> that's a stupid thing to say <laughs> but it was not, you know, we've seen a lot of sh- like prologues this year. It was not a short time trial. It was a decently length time trial. Um, yeah. And the time was kind of slowly brought down in the middle of the field by riders like Alice Barnes and Amanda Spratt. But then when it came down to the GC riders, they really started cutting the time down. Rihanna Marcus put down a really good time, looked like she might have it, Um and she did move up on the GC, but yeah, the French national champion, Cordon Rigaud, took the win, going four seconds faster than Marcus. And again, Lorena Vibas put in a great ride um, to finish fifth and continue her race lead. And I think it's fair to point out that she did a similarly good ride, I think finishing fourth in the Balois Ladies Tour um, Mm -hmm. over a longer time trial too. So it's not, it's not necessarily surprising that she did well uh, on that day. But yeah, Audrey Conduct called on Rigaud, that was a really good day for her and Spratt in third as well was very pleased to be back on a World Tour podium. Yeah, really exciting for Spratt,
0: um, especially ahead of the World Championships. It was, I was really surprised not to see Ellen race this week because of a, the time trial. I mean, there's so little time trials in stage races and in the World Tour at this point. And any, a, any chance to kind of put yourself up against your competition and see where you, uh, how your form is before the world championships. I feel like you would want to take it, but for Ellen, I mean, her main competition wasn't there anyway. Um, it's, I feel like the TT in Australia is going to be down to her and Marlon Rusa. Um, so, but I let the, Once again, this is like a running theme in the last couple races where they don't release the start list until the morning of the race. And I have to obviously write a preview. So I go by the provisional start list. And I thought when I wrote it, I was like, oh, yeah, Ellen's going to win this race (laughs) with a time trial. Um, But no, there she didn't race.
1: Yeah, I would have thought so, too. And I don't really know because the decision was made pretty late on because I think she was, yeah, she was entered and then they pulled her out and Trek only rode with five riders. Um, She just kind of made the decision to rest. And I wonder if maybe if the time trial had been earlier on, she might've raced it and then dipped out of the of the rest of the stages. But yeah, I understand it. It's, it's a really hard time in the year when riders, it's been a busy summer and you've got to preserve yourself for the world channels, but equally it's the only long time trial on the whole world tour calendar. And, especially with the riders who earlier in the year were calling for more time trials none of them were there well lisa klein was there but yeah it just felt a little bit like uh we have finally got one and it's not being contested by the top top favorites but i think it's kind of a victim of the timing in that sense
2: that is a bit rich to be fair to be the ones amongst like leading people calling for more time trials and then kind of skip out when there is one but i think maybe also like how far they have to travel and how much earlier they're going to have to get there to combat like jet lag and stuff is going to, is a contributing factor for, for her deciding that to skip out. Cause it, it's only two well, weeks. To- I guess people are traveling like next week. Mm-hmm. Hey?
0: Yeah. It's, it is going to be a weird world year, which I feel like we can get into in a minute, but, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird year for worlds. I think, especially because of the, well, We'll talk about it in a second. Let's talk about the final stage first. It just wrapped up um, for us because we're recording on a Sunday. So <laughs> what happened?
1: Okay. So it was a pretty hectic start to the race with uh, Polka Dot jersey, Kirsty Van Haften, really keen to go clear. Uh, she was leading the mountains classification, but she wanted to add some points to that. So she had it wrapped up. Um, and at the same time, Yama Visma were trying to make the pace really hard because they had Rihanna Marcus able to move up Um, so the high pace meant it was really hard for a group to stay away but on the fourth lap an attack from Amanda Spratt went away and she took Soraya Paladin and Elena Backstead with her because Spratt and Paladin were really risky for GC uh, it seemed like they shouldn't be able to get that far ahead but actually they ended up four minutes up the road um, because the I think after the slightly hectic start the chase kind of they took a little break to regroup a little bit um, and then in the last 40 kilometers, Jumbo and DSM, who I think were down to like three or four riders only in, at uh, that point got organized and pretty much immediately started bringing the time down, um, four minutes was kind of cut through in like 20 K. It was pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a difficult day for team DSM with only uh, Francisco Koch and Leah Kirchman um to help Vebus after cool and oyen were dropped relatively early on. Um but yeah, they brought the leaders back, just ate through that four-minute advantage. And Alison Jackson went on the attack, but didn't really work. And then uh into the last lap, so with eight K to go, Audrey Cordon who was only six seconds down at the start of the stage, took three bonus seconds, um, which was yeah, lighting up the fight for the overall a little bit. But then from there, Misha Bredewald attacked over the top of uh, Audrey's attack and took Eleonora Gasparini with her. Lorena Webis was pretty much alone by this point, so there wasn't too much of a chase behind. And Yumbo were probably more interested in the GC standings than the stage, so they didn't really want to c- contribute to the chase either. Um, And so, yeah, they went with 7k to go and never came back. It was a pretty strong ride from the two young riders. They held onto the line. Uh, Misha Bradewald led out the sprint from the front, um, but just kept it going. And Eleonora Gasparini couldn't come around her. So she won, which was her first World Tour win. Yes. And she also wrapped up the uh, white jersey. And she is off to SD Works next year. So a very successful race for future SD Works riders but not so much SDWorks themselves. No,
0: sadly not. (laughs) Which has been an interesting thing to watch this year. I mean, it just means that other teams have really been able to step up, including DSM but what will they do next year? I feel like we can talk about this now. So Leah Kirchman is retiring, uh, after I think she's been racing for like 12 years or something, but she's been on DSM for a really long time. And she's kind of one of the key older riders that kind of pilots the team in the race. And with her gone and the six young riders that they've signed, I mean, Leah, Leanne Lippert is also leaving. She's going to Movistar. That's been announced. Um, we still don't know where Florida Mackay will be going. And so the only rider that they're really holding on to the, the only two riders that they're really holding on to that are kind of like breakthrough performers this year are Juliette LeBou and Charlotte Cool, And so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be super interesting to see how DSM handles that. Because they're going to be very much in like a figuring it out year next year. They have Megan Jastrab as well, obviously, but she's, she's new to the team. She's only, she's, she signed a two year in 2020, but she didn't really race much in 2021 because of the Olympics and the track and, um, didn't race a ton this year, but still had some, some pretty good performances. So yeah, curious to see how that's going to go. They're kind of like a development team now. Pretty much
2: such a young team and like they've got a lot of riders that have got promise but haven't actually really backed anything up just yet, really.
0: Their average age, I think, is 23 for the team. I think that's their oldest age. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, No, you're right. Yeah, the average age is like 18. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah.
1: No, yeah, it'll be... It's interesting. It seems like... Yeah, because they they are a team that focuses a lot on younger riders and development anyway, but it seems like a lot has lined up this year to leave them with suddenly a really, really young team and none of their older riders. And yeah, I think they can kind of view this as a little bit of a transition year Um, and they've won so much this year that it's not like they need to prove themselves again next year and they can possibly regroup a little bit and have different goals other than winning all the time. Um, but yeah, it would be weird to not see them so so dominant as they have been that we've got used to this year. But, you know, I think it is good that teams are um, putting their eggs in the basket of of young riders because someone needs to be doing it. You can't all be in SD Works or Trek that basically sign fully formed riders and take... benefit from that you do need teams that will give a home to younger riders because they're certainly not getting the chances in those massive super teams
0: yeah and speaking of young riders obviously um misha signed for you said sd works but they also signed femka marcus they announced this week so they've got two young ish riders coming onto the team from parkertel valkenberg which the the parkertel valkenberg is kind of associated with Yumbo Visba, not really, but kind of because the, uh, director of park hotel, Valkenburg, the former director of park to now organizes Yumbo Visma women. So there's like a tie between the teams, but there's so many writers from that team that go over to SC works. We've got Demi Vollering, uh, Lorraine and now both the two, two newbies for next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a testament to the team that Park Hotel Valkenberg are, um, especially because Danny Stamm is so harsh about everyone, saying that there's just not enough good riders, that he doesn't want to sign anyone and think, unless he thinks they're the best. But I think that means it's quite a compliment to the riders that he does sign. And He's not just riding them as, it's like, not just signing them as young, like filler riders. He really does trust in their ability. And they both um, really performed really well at the Tour de France. So there is clearly form there. But yeah, SD Works just getting stronger and stronger, which, yeah, we say they had a little bit of an off year. I mean, they have won plenty this year. And it's a shame that Demi couldn't pull off some bigger results. But yeah. Next year, they're going to look even stronger. And if they can, like, put those younger riders to use in the right way, then I think that can really, really pay off for both the team and the riders.
0: I mean, an off year for SD Works is still a better year than most teams have.
2: Yeah. And no, I think the reason, as well, that we're maybe saying that is because we've been used to them dominating so much over the last few seasons. But it, I think it's a testament to the depth in the Peloton and how much that's growing that we haven't seen them just like, take over in the way that they have done previously there's been loads of different riders from different teams win so that's
1: I think also they've balanced their goals a bit more because they've skipped a few races that they're not necessarily interested in winning and I think with a race like this like they're not super bothered about winning it like they really do go for the big goals which I kind of do understand but also if races are world tour, they do still matter. So yeah. But it does seem like they've they focused on the big goals and been successful there, like winning the Tour of Flanders and everything. But maybe they haven't been trying so hard with these slightly less important races.
0: Uh the, we haven't seen Loto Capeki race in quite some time. She's had an injury apparently and has been out for for a while since the tour. So we've yeah. That's been kind of a bummer for them because obviously she's one of their strong riders. Um, She will be going to Worlds, so we'll get to see her race there. But I feel like she would have been... She's not really been sprinting like she used to, but I I still think she would have been one to watch at this race. There was quite a few teams that really struggled to get through the week. (laughs) FDJ were down to, like, two riders before the TT, I believe. They they just cryptic-tweeted two, and everyone was really confused, and then it turned out, yeah, they only had two riders left. Um, and
1: Kogas was down to one rider for today. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was a bit of a combination that there are a few crashes, and also uh, the fact that they were on circuits, a lot of riders were getting black-flagged once they were dropped too far, which... I do appreciate that you can't, um, you know, you can't have them impeding the race up front, but it really put a lot of teams in difficulty because, you know, if you're only like five minutes back and you could finish the stage, I feel like you should be able to finish the stage, not be.
2: Were they so? Were they pulling them out of the race and not letting them start the next day then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's tight. It's Savage, that five minutes.
1: I don't know because it was hard getting information about the front of the race, let alone the back. But there were a lot of riders that were taken out for being dropped, not because of anything else, and that Mm. probably would have come in within the time limit. But if when you're on tight circuits, it's if you're going to have riders being lapped, then what what can you do? But it did mean that yeah, a lot of teams were down to tiny amounts of riders. Only
0: 57 riders finished out of the 94 that started. Yeah,
1: it was a lot.
0: Yeah, a lot. A lot because of being pulled, but I think there was also like a lot of crashes. Ashley Passio I think, also was out due because of a crash. Yeah. Um, Amelia on Faunstein. stage three. Yeah, yeah, I'm really bummed about Amelia because I because she's obviously been writing pretty pretty okay and is on the hunt for a contract, according to the Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> I feel like we should move on from talking about C-Mac because. Uh, we've got other stuff to cover. We kind of talked a little bit about transfers. The biggest news of the week was, um, Misha and Femke Marcus going to SD works and Leona Lippert to Movistar, which is one that I kind of want to dive into really quickly because that's a super interesting signing for Movistar to pick up Lippert, especially when next year is Annemiek van Vleuten's final year racing. So they're kind of, they've picked her up for, uh, three years, I believe through 2025, and they're really kind of building the team, the the team that they're going to have to have post Van Bluten because uh, they won't have that surefire win anymore after next year.
2: No, I guess they're just, they're developing it. They, they have to find somebody to replace her. Yeah, but do- she's and- irreplaceable.
0: But I think that there's people that can kind of attempt to fill that
1: hole. But do we think Lippert can be like a top, top GC rider?
2: No, I would say of that crew from DSM, that, that I for some reason in my head, a group Lippert, Labu and Mackay together from that team. Maybe I don't know, they always seem to like rock up together, but um, I would say Laboo is the most promising in that on that front, and Lippert's just always kind of there, but like doesn't.
0: Yeah, I think Finish Lippert will often. flourish when she's out of the team. I think that we're going to see her grow a lot on a new team. I don't know if Movistar is the right move for that, but I definitely think that she's been riding for DSM for a really long time, and it's easy to get complacent when you're in the same environment year after year. So I'm excited for her to move teams. I don't know how I feel about moving to Movistar. It's interesting, too, because Meek was saying in
2: interviews that she's kind of her focus almost next year is going to be on making sure that the way the team is structured, like kind of developing the team as well as like getting her own results. So I guess, I don't know, maybe she even had a say in it, you know, maybe she's like seeing something in her.
0: That's possible.
1: Yeah. I think just, just having the support of the good team that they are building uh, um Movistar they've got some decent climbers like Paolo Patino and Sarah Gigante when she finally gets a good run of form so I think yeah just it, some good luck yeah so even just being in that in that team and being put in climbing type races instead of uh, being put in the punchy classic type races that Lippert fits into at DSM like she'll actually just have a chance to find out what she's like over longer climbs and um, as a GC contender. So, yeah. And she's only quite young, I'm assuming. <laughs> so there is time to, you know, riders aren't stuck in boxes just yet, are they?
0: Riders are never really stuck yeah, in She's boxes. only
1: 24, yeah. Meek used to be like a
0: sprinter. So <laughs> there's no such thing as boxes. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. All right. Other news of the week, kind of, we, Corinne Lebecky's out of the world championships. Uh, Tilda touched on that from the stage one recap, but also Blanca Voss will not be racing because SD works asked her not to. Madness.
1: That's a weird one.
0: Yeah. As I said, going to be a weird world. Is that a product as well? of like,
2: do you reckon? Cause if they did have a legit under 23 worlds race,
1: would that have made a difference to that decision? I st- probably. I still don't know though because she still wouldn't get to wear the jersey, and that's basically,
0: yeah, um, SD
1: works problem here. That if there's not yeah, a jersey true. up the grabs, and I think it's also like I say about the travel of it all that she can't just. It's not like popping over to Italy to do a race and going back to training. Like it's a big two weeks at least trip. But yeah, she's like the best Hungarian rider, obviously. She is a really good under 23 rider. Like she could go well in not just the under 23 race, but in the race. But SD Works uh, want her to target cyclocross jerseys. So, yeah, it would be a shame not to see her there. But it seems like teams, uh, both national teams and uh, trade teams, are really kind of. I only want riders to go to Australia if they have a real chance of doing well. Otherwise, is it even worth it? Which some would say obviously it's worth it, but also it's real life. Like it's two weeks out of racing, uh, other races and a lot of money and a lot of effort. Like you do have to balance that in terms of what you're going to get out of it.
0: I said, we were going to talk a little bit about bike racing fatigue, but I think we can save it for after the Madrid challenge, which is coming up this week, September 7th to the 11th. I want to run through the stages really quick, but we'll obviously do an in-depth recap after the race is over. So we're opening with a team time trial. Love a team time trial. That's great. No, Tilda's, <laughs> not, Tilda's not
1: into it. I'm coming out as a team time trial hater.
0: No! Lauren, <laughs> need, we need Lauren so she can be on my team. I hate them. Why are there so many of them?
2: Why do you hate a team time trial? They're boring. <laughs> Time trials Ugh. are boring. I'm
1: sorry. And like, they're Team so time trials like. You pretty much predict the order that like, everyone's going to finish it already, right? Like,
0: fine. Okay, I'm like, big, you rich text me the order else... in which they're going to finish. No, I want you to text me exactly how they're going to finish. <laughs> I will. I will. And I'm pretty <laughs> you're right. wrong. Then I will deduct that amount of money from your <laughs> paycheck. <laughs> oh! Just kidding. No, just kidding. I would never do that. I would never do
1: that. But your yeah. work is valued here. I would prefer it to be a time trial, you know? <laughs> like, wouldn't you? Like a real normal a time, time trial? trial?
0: Yeah, not like an uphill time trial like they had last year. No, it was just
1: like a regular 22k time trial.
0: Yeah. Well, then Ellen would... Well, Ellen wouldn't race because... She'll probably be on a rate of worlds already. Anamie could race and
1: already lead the race by 30 seconds. So maybe it's a good thing. But I hate time trials. Yeah, team time
0: trial gives the the means that Anamie maybe won't win by minutes. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Anyway, stage two is pretty hilly. There's two Cat 2s, Cat 1, and... uh, Wait, the way that I wrote this in the show notes doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Two Cat 2s, one Cat 3, and two Cat 1s a lot of numbers (laughs) so it's like pretty much up and down the entire stage and then it's flat to the finish a flat run into the finish so that will be an important day for the general classification stage three opens with a cat three and then kind of has a really long dragging cat two up to a plateau and then stage four is flat with a kicker at the end and stage five is the classic madrid circuits that they have every year and yeah the anamika will be back she's not raced since the tour de france win but she's trying to win the triple and um looking at stage two it's there's a good chance it's a lot of climbing she's good at that
2: i think this one's gonna rejuvenate our brf to be honest i think this would be a good race
1: yeah i like yeah but i'm I'm the one who's really sitting there writing it all day every day um okay
0: yeah We can talk about our, our bike race fatigue at the next podcast, but I'm going to cut this one short.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it's, we're already at almost an hour already. Um, but my baby is trying to chew on the cable of my microphone. So. It's a good time to stop. (laughs) Thanks everybody so much for listening. Thank you to Zwift for sponsoring this podcast. Next week we will be back with, Lauren and possibly also Gracie and we will talk about the Madrid Challenge and the upcoming World Championships which will definitely um, not we won't be tired we won't be tired for the World Championships World Championships are always an exciting What time of day is it on though? That's what oh, I'm like good point. Though, We will <laughs> <No>. be tired <laughs> We will be li- literally we'll be tired
2: yes. I think I'm okay. just constantly tired now I think that's just my normal you setting
1: Oh, Amy us saying this to a woman with a baby, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry, Read the room,
1: you, Amy. You see this? <laughs> yeah, but she's
0: cute. She's cute. Unlike <laughs> Sam's cute <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm ending this podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>